Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. This week, we conclude our series on the Life Path. The Life Path is our new membership process here at Word of Life. Mark your calendars that the first Life Path meeting for step one is on October 7th, 2018. We can't wait to see you there. Today's message talks about the Life Path step three called Make a Difference. Tablets, whatever it is you're going to need to follow along, and let's dig into the Word of God. Let's dig into what uh, what we sense that the Lord is speaking to us about today. Um, <clears throat> this is week three of a three-week series. Today's message is uh, it fulfilled. Listen, listen to me. Hope comes in God's purpose. Hope comes in God's purpose. For some of you who are here today, life is not easy. I don't know what's going on, but I know that there's something going on with some people. They're facing very challenging days. And regardless of how good or bad your life may be, um, or those who you love, no matter how it may be, hope comes in God's purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but some people may be thinking, scratching their head a little bit and say, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to have, to have uh, uh, hope comes in God's purpose? Well, in other words, for your circumstance and your situation that you're dealing with, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, um, there's little hope or there's little expectation of, of recovery or relief or even of a rebound in one way or another. But when you, when you add uh, God's purpose, that means, that means re- regarding the issues or the challenges, God's purpose, God's plan will always supersede uh, 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 humanly speaking. Humanly speaking, it doesn't look good. Humanly speaking, it looks like you're going to be in a, in a, having a problem for a long time in your life. But when God's purpose shows up, it always supersedes uh, uh, humanly speaking. So in the midst of your problem, your circumstance, your need, when you go to God about that particular need and when you choose to take a step of faith, and you say something like this, I believe what God says. With God, all things are possible. It will be right there when you do that. When you say those words, hope comes in God's purpose. When you believe what God says and you take a step of faith to believe that, hope comes in God's purpose. God's purpose supersedes, humanly speaking, every single time. Give me an amen. And we find here in Mark chapter 10, you don't need to look at this, none of this is in your notes at all. This is just something that came to me uh, in the middle of the night and I'm sharing it with you right now. Jesus and his disciples had uh, gone into Jericho and of course there's a, a huge crowd following Jesus like there always would be, but there was this blind man. There was this blind man there in Jericho and he was begging because life for him was not good like some of you. Life for him was not good. He had little hope, but hope comes in God's purpose. So his name is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had heard that Jesus is walking by. He's close. He's walking by right now. And then Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now you may be wondering, you may be trying to understand, why would he even call Jesus for mercy? Why would he call on Jesus to give mercy? Well, why he would do that is because hope comes in God's purpose. Hope comes in God's purpose. So he shouted it, uh, shouted it again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many of them told him to stop talking, stop, stop saying all of this. Uh, we, we don't want to hear you any longer. And, uh, but the Bible says that he, all the more he shouted out in verse 48. I'm going to read you this, this portion of scripture because this is incredible. Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 49. <clears throat> 
And it says, so they called the blind man. Uh, uh, Jesus stopped. I'm sorry. Jesus stopped and called him. So they called the blind man and said, cheer up, man. Uh, Up on your feet because he's calling you. And throwing his cloak off aside, he jumped uh, to his feet and came to Jesus. And he says, "Uh, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I just want to see. And Jesus said these words. He says, go. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. It was a miracle. It was something supernatural. Hope comes in God's purpose. When you seek God and you have faith in God for your circumstance, God always has the final say. No matter what it is you're dealing with, how serious or not so serious it may be for you right now. God always has the final say because hope comes in God's presence. Hope comes in God's presence. I also believe that God has chosen you and I to be people of destiny. People of destiny. In fact, um, I believe that God has destined you for great things. Destiny to be defined, defined in this Uh, text today is living your life according to God's plan for your life. Uh, Give me again Jeremiah chapter 29. This sounds really loud to me and I don't know if we can adjust any of that that's coming in my ears but it sounds really really loud and I don't want to offend anybody by being too loud. Jeremiah 29, I know that most of us know this really well. That sounds really good. Thank you, guys. Uh, for, here's what uh, the, God says. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Listen, I believe God. I believe that God, the God of heaven, is big enough, he's smart enough, he's powerful enough to have a plan and a purpose for every single life who decides to follow him. God is able to do that in and through every one of us. People who, people want to know, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I even exist? What is, what is my life to be about? What is my redemptive calling anyhow? What is all of that? The Bible is absolutely clear for those who are following Christ that God has had a plan for your life before the foundations of the world. We've hammered that for the last couple of weeks talking about the fact that God already created the work that he wanted you to do before he created you. There was a work that needed to be done, and he was the one who put that all together for you and I. That was his plan. So once you know your future, you have a hope. To have a hope, you need to know your future. Some of the happiest, some of the most hope-filled people that I know are those who know why they're on the planet who understand why they are here. You and I need to discover God's plan, God's purpose for our lives, for, our, for us being here. So we here at Word of Life, we really believe. We're not, I'm not saying this audaciously. I'm just saying this honestly. We here at Word of Life, we actually believe that we can answer some of those questions. We can answer the questions, uh, why am I here? What is my purpose for being here? Why do I exist? What is, what is uh, my, my life to, to be about? Listen, one of those answers to those kind of questions that you have is what is answered by what we call the life path. The life path. Life path guides you to discover your redemptive purpose and to, uh, and to, uh, and to live the life that God has created for you. That's what God wants for you and I. He wants you and I to live in that fullness. Life Path is a new membership initiative that we're launching this next Sunday, a week from today, October 7th, 2018. Immediately following the 10 o'clock service, I can hardly wait. Honestly, I can hardly wait. But let me go with you one more time on the three simple steps 
of what Life Path is about. Let me just be very quick with you. Step number one is that you become a member. Three steps, easy steps. Number one, you become a member. You become a member and you explore the ministry of Word of Life and find out how to connect with our church. And of course, uh, step one is always going to be the first Sunday of every month. Step number two is to discover your design. That's where you dive into what it means where you, where, you, uh, where you dive in the details of your personality and discover your gifts that you have and see how your design reveals your purpose in life and your best fit for ministry here at Word of Life because we want you to get involved. We want you to help us. I'm gonna be talking about that this morning. That's what's really important. Step number two is always the second Sunday of the month. And step number three is to make a difference. Find out what it means to be a leader. Find out what it means to be a person of influence and learn how to strengthen your character and gifting to fulfill your leadership potential. Step three always happens on the third Sunday of the month. That simple, it's that easy. A little bit more information I wanna give you just so you know. Uh, Life Path will be done every month of the year except for December because December is so busy for everybody, we're not gonna try to get people to be a part of that. So December is gonna be, it's not gonna be done, but um, it's gonna be for every month of the year. So if you don't make it this month, you can, this next month, you can go to the next month, whenever you want, however you would want. If you're already a member, you do not need to go through the life path. You're grandfathered in, you're always, already a member here at Word of Life. But maybe, maybe you, it's been a while since you, you've had a spiritual giftings test and all of those things, and if you wanna come to session two just to check it out, come to session two. Check it out. It's okay with us. You can do it that way. And lastly, what I want to say to you is that you have to, you have to go through all three steps if you're going to be a member. We don't care if you start at number two, then three, and then one. We prefer that you would go one, two, three, but you need to complete all three steps if you're going to be a member at Word of Life. And at the conclusion of the third step, you do become a member. Okay, everybody got that much? Let's get back into, let's get into the Word of God that I really feel that the Lord is speaking to, our, to all of us on Today, let's dig a little bit uh, um, on this final week of our Life Path series. So how do you find your redemptive calling? How do you find your redemptive calling? The new life that you can live since being saved and knowing, that, and knowing God in a very personal and wonderful way. Well, Life Path is gonna help you find that out. Help you to find out why you're on this planet. Now listen to me and listen carefully. This is so important, you need to grab a hold of this. Listen to me carefully. All of that comes through the life team. All of that that I'm talking about, why you're on this planet, helping you to find what you're to be doing, it's all based on the life team. Now, I mentioned the life team at the conclusion of last week's message. The life team at Word of Life is about 400 people that we have currently, 400 people who seek to serve. There's many more than 400 who attend, but there are those who are involved with ministry in, in, in some way or another at Word of Life who seek to serve. The life team are people who volunteer in some capacity who are serving on a team at Word of Life. The life team. It's called the life team. It's where, where you want to be ultimately, where we want you to be ultimately so that you would, number one, discover your design, that you would also get on that life team and you would start living life. You would start serving. You would start finding the fulfilled life that God wants to give each and every one of you. I want you to think about that for a moment. Just think about this. About 400 people are serving this week from Sunday to Sunday. There will be about 400 different people serving in some way at Word of Life. They will be serving maybe weekly or they may be serving bi-weekly or monthly. But in some capacity, they're making a difference. They're making a difference in those who they are serving. And it is the ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment of God that you are part of a team. 
He wants every one of us to be a part of the team. Now, I want to begin this portion of this message with, with a statement that's going to sound rather simplistic to many of us, but at the same time, in my heart and my mind, it's massive. It's a massive word. It's a mass, massive message that God wants to give us. I want you to grasp it. I want you to feel it as I speak about it this morning. I want, I want you to touch it. I want you to take it in. And the reason why I want to do this is because the enemy has lied to so many people, to so many believers over so many years, over, over uh, centuries. The enemy has been lying to a lot of people. And that is that God has always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. God has always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. This is huge. This is exactly what God has in store for you and I today. Now, I'm very sure that a huge percentage of us who are sitting in this room right now uh, haven't really, uh, have, has settled for things a lot less than God's very best. I, I'm sure that that has happened. There would be scores of people who would probably say, you know what, Pastor, my life would be great if you got rid of her or if you got rid of him. Or if this could happen, or if that could happen, life would be really great. That's really all that I need. But I want to say to you, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. But that's not God's best for you. I'm talking about God's best. I'm talking about the God of heaven. The one who was the creator. The beautiful song, the last song that we just sang in the set. If all of creation can do that, so can I. It's that God that I'm talking about. God wants his very best for you. And if you settle for anything less than that, then you are settling for less than what God has created for your one and only life. And as your pastor, I don't want you to experience that. I don't want you to have something less. I want you to have everything that God has in store for your life. I want you to be experiencing everything that God has. Whoever you are, there is so much more that God has for your life than just what you are experiencing at this particular moment. And that truth is in one of the most powerful scriptures. Most of us have memorized this one scripture. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a message that, first and foremost, the devil. The devil has a plan for your life, sir. The devil has a plan for your life, ma'am. I didn't say Jesus just then. I said the devil. The devil has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And according to John chapter 10, verse 10, go with me there, John 10, 10, the living Bible says it this way. The living Bible says, um, the living Bible says, the thief's purpose is to steal. The thief's purpose is to steal. The devil looks to steal from you your dreams, your relationships, and your happiness. That's what the devil wants to steal. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, and the devil comes to kill. He comes to kill every bit of your potential. He comes to destroy and annihilate everything in and around your life. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. That's where he's coming from. And this is coming from the lips of Jesus. He's telling us how it really is. And then ultimately, ultimately, the devil wants to get you to the point where you are so worn out that you are, are barely crawling and struggling to exist. And to keep you from getting into heaven, if that's at all possible, that's the devil's goal. That's what the devil wants to do. But Jesus says, but Jesus says, Jesus who is in the Bible, the Jesus who is the Alpha and the Omega. I don't know why, but I don't feel like you're connecting to what I'm saying, so I want to go a little bit deeper with this thought. I don't care what the devil says. I know he's a defeated foe. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I want you to understand that Jesus says, Jesus who is the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, say it with me, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, that's right, that Jesus. 
that Jesus in John chapter 10, and I want you to say the last word, word with me nice and loud. Jesus says in John 10, 10, my purpose is to give you life in all of its fullness. Fullness. God wants you and I to live a life of fullness. Fullness. Not settling for something less, but the fullness of God in Randy Chiz, in Marianne, my kids, my grandkids, my church. This is what God wants for every one of us. But my question is, then why do we not live in his fullness? Why are we settling for the less? There's three reasons why. Three reasons that we're settling for the less. Reason number one is that we let our past cripple us. We let our past cripple us. Most of us who are here today, most of us have had our sins forgiven through the blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. We know that we're forgiven of our sin. Most of us have that, but, but there is, there is a devil who continuously reminds you and I of our past. You're a mess. You've got issues. Who do you think you are? Doing that, saying that, going there. And here's what happens. When we hear those voices, when we get that accusation coming our way, we are going through life, we're going through life, but we're looking through the rear window of the car instead of the windshield that's right in front of us. In other words, we're not looking at the future, we're looking at the past. Did you hear me? What most of us as believers, followers of God, most of us as believers, we're not looking into the future, we're looking right in the, at the past. Most of us as Christians, we still feel defined by our sins and by our mistakes of years ago. I don't know about you, but I often feel, I feel um, defined right here in my head, right here in my own calculations, my mind, by the choices of things that happen in me, through me, and to me. Those kind of things that have happened. I, I, I still play with some of that stuff. More about that in a moment. We still define ourselves by our past and not to what is our future that God has for us. We define ourselves that way. I've shared this story many years ago, but a couple of years ago, but um, I gave my life to Jesus on July 5th, 1971, south side of Philadelphia. He radically changed my life. He radically changed my life. But within months, within about a year or so, I fell away from God. I walked away from God. The church I was attending was a Catholic church in Phoenix, New York, and it didn't have anything for me. It didn't have anything for me as a 16-year-old to grow in the things of God. And I fell, man. I'm not just blaming them. I'm blaming Randy. This isn't their fault. This is my fault. And all of a sudden, I got back into my old lifestyle, going right back at it, drinking a lot, getting in trouble. I shared the story a couple of, a couple of weeks back where... Um, I was, I was at a party where there was a big bonfire. I can take you right to the spot, the exact, the exact spot that this thing happened. And there was this huge shed that was there. And we had this big bonfire. There's probably 40, 50, 60 people. I don't know how many were there. It doesn't matter. But there's this fire going and I'm drunk. And I climb up on top of that fire and I can see. Now listen, man. I gave my life to Jesus about a year ago. I love Jesus with all. I told everybody about Jesus. And at this point, I'm drunk I'm on top of this thing, and the fire, I can see the fire, it's like reflecting on me, and all of a sudden, I got this inspiration, and I said words, lyrics to a song, and I said the words like this, I am the God of fire, I am the God of, of hellfire, and I bring you fire, and when I did that, everybody cheered, and I did it again, and I did it again, 
I'd given my life to Jesus. And now I'm proclaiming I am the God of hellfire. My tongue, my tongue was wicked and vile before Christ. Cruel, full of assault, mockery, slander, and shame. I would belittle people, mock them, pick on them. There was a constant stream of vulgarity that would come out of my mouth. And I, as a Christian, a Christ follower, I gave my life to Jesus a year and a half ago and three years ago, however long it was that I fell away from God. But I took the Lord's name in vain. Like he didn't even exist. Like how I used to be. And that's not the end of the story. Because often I go through that in my mind. Just like you do with yours. Often I think about the fact that this Sunday today, I have an opportunity to speak to a few hundred people. And I'm going to open up God's word that is so pure and holy and perfect in every, in every way. And do you think I don't get assaulted by hell when I go to do that? Who do you think you are? I can see that fire. I can see the people. I, can, I remember a, a young lady, I, made, I mocked her out so bad she ran out of the classroom crying. I feel so bad about that still. My God. And of course, the enemy just continues. Who do you think you are? You have no right to talk to anybody. You have no right. And you know what? I believe that at times. I believe that I have no right to open this book and talk to you. But then I want you to know, too, that I've learned some things as a believer and a follower of Christ. 1 Peter 2.9, we mentioned this scripture last week. But this was my statement. I memorized this at the time of my darkest hours. This particular verse, this particular chapter 1 Peter 2.9, and Paul, uh, uh, Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you, that you, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The devil is a liar. He is a liar. He's trying to keep you down. He's trying to keep me down. He's trying to keep us from moving forward. I've also learned in the word of God that God called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It was God himself who called me to do what I'm doing. I get to do this. I don't have to do this, but I get to do this. And I love doing this. I love being with you. I love preaching. I love being a pastor. I love doing this. Secondly, I'm not here because of my abilities. No, I'm not here because of that. I'm not all that good at all. But because of God, the Holy Spirit, who now lives inside of me, and he has put in me his presence, his power, and his promises in my life, just like he's done with you. So for the many of you who are still holding back because of your past, because of the accusations that continue to fly your way, God has a plan for your life. God has chosen every one of you to do the same thing with your life. And God enables us to make a difference in the lives of others. The enemy is a liar. He is a defeated foe. And God is the victor. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. He is a great God. So do not let your past stop you from living in, uh, living in God's best. Do not let your past stop you from living in God's best. Uh, Psalm 38, verse 4, it just says this, my, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. A burden too heavy to bear. You know what's happening. His past is continuously, constantly reminding him of the shame and the regret that he should be dealing with instead of anything that would bring life. Verse 6 of that same chapter, and it says, I bowed down and brought, and brought very low all day. I am bowed down and brought 
very long, all day long, and I go about mourning. Shame and regret is overwhelming, but I want to let you know, but it is God who wants to lift you up. In Psalm 3, verse 3, I love this one. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Isn't that good news? I don't care how much the enemy wants to put you down. God wants to lift you up. In fact, not in your notes, but in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, the New Living Translation. I love how he wrote, uh, penned this right here. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause one more time for the truth of his word. God, you are so good. You are so good. Point number two, why we, settle for, why we settle for less is because we let culture define us. We let culture define us. Let me say it like this. Every one of us, every one of us in this room, we are running with a playbook and a script for the life that we're living. We are running with a playbook and a script for the life that we're living. But most of us, most of us, it's not God's script. It's not God's playbook that we're following along, and you know it. You know it. I am trusting that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you and to me. I know it at times. The times I'm not following him either. We are not following God's plan. You see, there are only two playbooks, there are only two different scripts for life that are being written right now. They're being lived out right now. One comes from God the Father. And the other one comes again from the enemy of God, who is the devil himself. And honestly, honestly, which spirit are you following? Who is it that you're following? Who is it that you're following most of the day? I mean, you look really good right here, right now. I mean, you look good. You look sharp. You even look a little bit holy. I'm a little bit intimidated the more I look at you. So let me get back to my notes. So, okay, maybe you're following God's uh, script. But I sense it's only for some of the time. Some of the time. But for the most part, you find yourself living out the script that the devil has planned for you. And it may look something like this, that you've been lured away to a counterfeit, to a deception that you thought was going to make you happy. You thought that this was going to change everything for you. And that's what the world offers you and I. The world is going to offer and promise you everything but deliver on nothing. That's just the way it is. And listen to what John says. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. John says, do not love the world. Don't, the culture, that's the world. That's how life is lived, how people have morals and values, whatever those things are. Do not, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Did you hear that? And the world is passing away. If you are devoting yourself more to this culture, to this world, than you are to God, you, you're on the losing side, man. This world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever is what the word of God. They abide forever. Culture, society, this world works hard to get us to follow them. They're constantly trying to get us to follow them. And probably here's how some of that has played out. All of a sudden now you're feeling motivated and you, 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 you've tried now a career move. You're looking to be making more bucks, bigger bucks than you've ever made before because this is where you're at right now. The culture, world has called you and is challenging you to get more money, have more, you can have more things, all of this stuff. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with things. Randy Chiz has a lot of things, not a lot of money, but I have a lot of things. And so, but I had a brother at the gym came up to me 
Uh, not too long ago, he came up to me and he said this to me. He says, you know what, Pastor, now that I got this good, high-paying job, I have more stress in my life than I've ever had, ever had. And that's the way of the world. That's what the world does. Uh, maybe you've tried climbing up the corporate ladder and you got up there rather quickly and now you're at the top. Maybe you're at a position that you were just waiting for and it ends up being it's not what you thought it was going to be. It's not happening to you. It lacked the fulfillment that you thought that you needed and you were looking for. You got it. You've got the big money. You got the position. Your name is in lights, but you're still feeling like there's something missing. There's something wrong. We constantly are, are responding to the pressures of culture who lie to you, who deceive you into believing that things will be better if you would just do this. What they say to do rather than what God says to do, rather than what his word declares to us to do. The devil has been successful in so many areas of life in the United States of America, which is our country right here. For years, he's been doing this. For years, he's been seeking how to redefine so many areas of life, and they have. The enemy has worked well at that. We have now, we have redefined marriage. We have redefined relationships. We have redefined family structure. The way that the law seems to read to me with what I have dealt with and what I know people are dealing with. The way the law seems to, to uh, say to me is that our public schools have more say regarding our kids than we have as parents, such as abortion, sexual promiscuity, and the like. They have more say about that than we do. They can do whatever they want. The school can do whatever they want. And I don't know if it's every school, but I know in some situations they can do what they want and, and they don't have to tell mom or dad anything. It just, that's the way it is. And it all brings such confusion in so many areas of life at home and at church. And the Apostle Paul tells us something like this. You have got to find God's playbook. And do you want to know what it looks like? Here's one right here. We've got to, Paul tells us we've got to find God's playbook and not allow culture to, to, uh, to shape us, not allow our culture uh, to, to cause you and I to walk away from the things of God. The Apostle Paul tells us, don't let that define your life. We have a higher calling than just this life. Galatians chapter one, verse 10 says, Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be Christ's servant. So I've got to find God's playbook his word. I've got to find God's playbook, his word, and not allow culture to redefine me. I need to be following what God says within his word. And last week, last week we said that you need to discover, um, you need to go on a discovery mission to find out why you are on this planet. Why are you here? And we believe that our life path is going to help you to discover the reasons behind that. Point number three. Point number three, the reason why we, we settle for less is because we try to do it alone. Last point, we try to do it alone. Let me ask you a question. <coughs> why would you? Why would you even consider doing it alone? Why would you do that? If you'd be honest with me, here's what you would say. Well, I try to do it alone because people drive me nuts. Pastor, have you ever worked with people? Oh yeah, I have. People drive me crazy. A lot of people are messed up, have a lot of pain, a lot of issues, and they're a pain in my backside, to be honest with you. I would just as soon do it all alone than to do it with anybody else. They mess up my life too much. By the way, glad you brought that up, because the devil's plan is to mess, to mess up 
all, the, all of the relationships that you ever would have. It's the devil's plan. Let me prove it to you. You thought that the devil was just trying to mess up your marriage. You thought that the spat that you're going through, the issues that you're dealing with in your marriage, you thought that the devil was just trying to mess up your marriage. But I'm here to tell you, oh no, it's, it's way deeper than that. Don't be so short-sighted and don't be ignorant, ignorant of his devices is what the scripture says. Do not be ignorant. The devil is up to something that is way bigger than just your marriage right now. Your marriage is extremely important. It's, to me, it's one, it is, besides following Christ, it is the next biggest decision that you would ever have to make and to follow after that. Don't be so short-sighted with this, but he is wanting to not just mess up your marriage, but he's wanting to mess you up. He's wanting to mess up your spouse. He's wanting to mess up your kids. The enemy has his sights on that family of three or that family of five or that family of six or eight, however many would be in their family. He has his sights set on those people. His plan is that they will forever be messed up because of the family breakup. Oh yeah, he wants to destroy your marriage, but he wants to destroy way more than that. There's a whole lot more that the enemy would want to do. Also, the enemy's plan and goal for all of that is that you would end up trusting no one. People who have gone through divorce, people who have had unfaithfulness within their marriage, relationships, all that stuff, all of a sudden you get to this place where you trust no one, so much so that you live life alone and you never again, you will never again find fulfillment. If you live life alone, if you do life all by yourself, man, you're gonna end up having no fulfillment. You'd live, uh, you, you would end up living a life of mistrust, always being suspicious, being guarded and hesitant. But pastor, it's better for me to just be alone. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to deal with him. I don't have to deal with her. I don't have to deal with them. That's a lie. That is a lie from the pits of hell that you're believing. That you're living a life right now believing because you can never be fulfilled by yourself. Never. That cannot happen. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says these words. It says, this is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving, so, giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing is what the scripture says. So he made money. He made a lot of money, evidently. Had some great success there. But he was still discontented. He was still disturbed because he was all alone. So God is wanting you to live large and full and filled. God is wanting you to live large and full and filled. And I don't mean a problem-free life. I'm not talking about that. Because you are going to have problems in this life. Pastor, be a little bit more positive, okay? I'm positive you're going to have problems in this life. And that's because of what Jesus says. Jesus says we're going to have this. But God is wanting you to make your life count. And knowing that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. So let me say this. Anything less than this is less than what God has for you. And I don't care, I don't care what problem you're facing right now. I don't care what your, uh, what your resume looks like today. I don't care what culture has tried to nail you down as. Whatever those things are that have happened in your life. God still has available to you an incredible promise. An incredible, incredible, incredible promise. And he says, I have come to give you life to the full, is what he says. That is the promise that God has. He says, I want to give you life to the full. 
give you a fulfilled kind of life. So let's go back. Let's go back one more time to uh, Exodus chapter six. This is an original promise that God made to his people. This is incredible, but you need to hold on. This is the meat of where I'm going. So you need to listen very carefully before we close off here. Exodus chapter six, I'm gonna read just the first part of the verse. And it says, um, I will take you, uh, God says, I will take you as my own people. Stop right there, that word people. We're going to stop right there. Listen, you have to move from a person to a people. If you're going to experience God's best, if you're going to live in the fullness of what God has in store for your life, you're going to have to move from a person to a people. To live a fulfilled life, the scripture says right here, I read it again, I will take you as my own people. I will take you individually as my own people, plural, with multiples. You have to move from a person to a people. I want to say it this way. I want to say it like this. Whoever you are, I know you're going through some things. I know that there's challenges. I know the devil has tried to cause this and that to happen. But listen to me. This is important. If you're going to live a fulfilled life, listen to me. You need to find a family. You need to find a church. You need to find a team. You need to find a place. God is saying this to you, not Randy Chiz. God is saying these words to you this way. You have got to get, to get connected to people. You have to find your, your church family. You need to find your, your, your team that you're with. You need to do this with others. This is so huge for us. You can never be fulfilled by yourself, never. That will never happen being alone. You will not be fulfilled. That's the script of the enemy. That's what he's telling you and you're beginning to believe that. Don't believe that. You cannot be fulfilled being alone. You have, you have to find your church family. Exodus verse six, again, verse six, uh, chapter six, verse seven. And he says next, he says, and I will be your God. Stop there. And I will be your God. I will be your, be your God. Not only do you need to find a team or to find your family, but then God says, I'm gonna jump into the midst of this and I will be your God. I will be your God. You have to go from being a person to a people. And God says, when you begin to move that way, then I'm gonna jump in the middle of this. I'm going to come. I'm going to bring life. I'm going to bring something that's going to be fulfilling. I'm going to bring something that's going to mean life to you. Not only find your family, but God wants to jump in the midst of this. And he says, I will be your God. And that literally means that God now steps into your life and partners with you to take you, uh, to, to take what you have learned about yourself, such as your giftings and your family. And now he literally says, I want you to do something with that. Once you begin to move from just being your own person, your own self, and you become a part of the team, and God reveals to you your giftings and the talents that he has and the purpose he has for your life, now you can get involved. Now you have an, an opportunity to make a difference. And right there and then, now you are part of something that God is involved with. And it's, and it's only then, only then that you are finding that fulfillment. Only then that you are finding what God has for you, that you will find true meaning for your life. You never serve God alone. Never serve God alone. That is not what the scriptures declare. You do not serve God alone. Ultimately, we exist as a church to make a difference with other people who want to make a difference. And God says, and God says, I've got something for you that is beyond you. 
This is why you need others. It's beyond you right now. I want to put you in a place with a group of people who are doing something. Doing something that is eternal. Doing something that is changing other people's lives. Doing something that is leaving a legacy. Doing something that is making a difference on people's lives. Did you hear that water baptism story today? That little girl. Her uncle and aunt, her aunt and uncle made a big difference in her life. Her life, she is quite a young woman of God, a young lady of God. And she's talking about the others who were involved. You can't have that on your own. God himself says, and then once you tie in with somebody, I want to jump right in the middle of all of that, and I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bring life to it. I'm going to bring change. I'm going to bring everything you need to be able to do what I'm calling you to do and to be what I'm calling you to be. He says, I will pour out my spirit on this. I will do things in you and through you that will make such a difference in their life that people are going to stand before you and shake their head. And they're going to say, I can't believe that happened to him, to her, to me. I can't believe that happened. And that was God who did all of that. And my friend, that can only happen when you are with a group of people and you are purposely doing something that makes a difference. And the ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment comes when you are a part of a family, a church, a team, a small group who want to make a difference. 400 people serving right now in a given week, month, bi-weekly, however it may be. And the reason why we're able to have the impact that we're having in our areas of ministry is because people are catching the vision together that we are doing this thing together. We have some wonderful ministries, wonderful people here at Word of Life. We have wonderful outreach. There are so many wonderful, wonderful things that God is doing in and through Word of Life. Lives are being rescued. Lives are being changed. The stories are incredible. They're, they are very exciting. And you will be hearing more of that. But there is one particular opportunity that's being done right now through some incredible women of our church. This story that you're going to see and hear next, this is something I want you to hear about at Word of Life. So we have Annie Bullard who's going to share her story. Hi, I'm Annie Bullard, and I am recognized as a local missionary with the Assemblies of God. My ministry is 99.1. We expose God's love to sex workers in central New York, and we do that by visiting seven local strip clubs with gifts that we call love bombs once a month. It all began in November of 2014. I was doing something very ordinary. I wasn't really seeking God. I was scrolling through Facebook, just to be honest with you. And I um, came across an article that uh, was talking about being a Christian and going into strip clubs. And I, I think the human side of me was like, what is that about? So I poured over it and my heart was just arrested. So often the backstories to these girls' lives are so tragic and it even makes sense that they would choose um, to make a buck doing what they're doing. Um, there is one story that's really fresh and it's actually a woman who's just leaving the industry right now. She's got one part-time job, she's trying for another part-time job, she attends our Bible study. Um, she's very excited about what, the ways that God's moving. In fact, um, one night she cried out in prayer. Um, she was half drunk, but she did cry out and she said, I know he's in my backbone. One of the last things that the owner of the club had said to her um, was he said, you're my maggot, don't forget that. And um, as she exited, she said, I want you to know that I'm a butterfly. And uh, right now, I'm watching this woman gain her wings. 
and I'm, I'm watching her trust Jesus with her life, even though it's really difficult. Um, but I'm committed to be alongside, um, and, I, and I hope that my encouragement does make a difference. I'm, I'm believing it does. Um, but um, that is the current story that is um, just, it's got me completely psyched. I'm so glad that God directed us that way. It's the whole story of the Good Shepherd and how uh, he would leave his flock to go after the one. And so often it is just one, um, and it's a very patient ministry. Um, but we know that a difference is being made, and um, it's God at work through us. One of the things that I would say that's so important when you're on your journey, um, trying to find out, you know, what, it, what is it that God has placed within you? How has he designed you? How can he make sense of your past? Is to listen to what you're passionate about. I think so often we can say, oh, I love what she's doing or I love what he's doing or I want to be more like them. We can glean from others, but God's got a purpose for us and to listen to that, to listen to what makes your heart beat, not just um, because someone else is succeeding in it, but what is it that he's calling you to do in particular? As I look over my life, you know, I came to know him. And for a while, my season was getting to know who Jesus is and getting to know what he was how he felt toward me. And uh, that took a while. And while I was figuring out who I was in him, uh, he was giving me opportunities to serve him. And I took advantage of those opportunities. And God allowed me to make a difference in little areas. Don't neglect the journey that God's got for you because there are so many things that he's got hidden behind the scenes. When you just think you're taking one step after the other, there is there are so many profound details that he's taking care of that is setting you up for your next, that you couldn't even, you would sell yourself short if you thought you were scripting your life. You know, I know that I personally, there's nothing that I have to offer that can make a difference. It's Christ in me. And um, to me, just receiving Christ and keeping it to myself um, would be a waste. I mean, I know that I'm worth it and that, that God would have chosen to die if it was just for me. But to me, um, my life was redeemed so that I could be a vessel to redeem others. And I, um, I consider it a privilege uh, to be able to uh, use this life that he has rescued and to be um, the hands that might rescue someone else. Just incredible. Just incredible. Annie, we're so proud of you and your team with all that you do, and it, uh, it's life-changing for people in tremendous need. I'm going to close off. Would you all stand with your, to your feet, please? Just so you know that when God looks at the earth, he doesn't see Christians and non-Christians. When, when God looks at the earth, he sees an entire world that he has created and all who are in that world. God sees every one of them, and he loves every one of them. From God's vantage point, it's like, I have some found kids and I have some lost kids. But they're still my kids, and I still love every one of them. When God, uh, when God does all of that, we, we find that God's love for every one of us is that he would go to extremes in order to find those who are lost. In the message uh, found in Luke chapter 15, the message of that uh, chapter is that there are three different things that are lost. There was a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And there were, there were these things. And what God ended up doing was going after those things to find those things. And the message of Luke chapter 15 is, I will leave the found things to find, to find the lost things, is what God says he will do. Because God himself is distracted. He's distracted right now from those, for those who are lost. And he's waiting for you. 
And he's waiting for me. He's waiting for the church to do something about it. Just like these ladies are doing. 99-1, just like what they're doing. So I challenge you. God goes after those that are lost through his church. It's us. And my question is, who's going to go? If I could have our intercessors come on down. We're going to sing one last song as we let you go out of here. If you would like prayer for anything, you don't need to be a member to be prayed for here at Word of Life. Have any need whatsoever in your life, there's going to be intercessors who will pray for you. We'll do this last song. We'll worship together. Please don't leave yet. Unless it's an emergency, feel free to go whenever it's an emergency. But uh, we're going to sing this one last song. Go ahead. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org connect. We'd love to have you join us for one of our services. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information on our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org. Thanks for joining us.